Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Welcome and good morning. Great to see each and every one of you here. I'm excited that you are here. Looking forward to a great time together on what we are calling our Big day, and we're glad that you're here. You braved the wind and the rain to make it. Thank you so much. And a big shout out. We have been preparing for you since 5.30 this morning. There was a group that showed up at 5.30 to set everything up, to plug it all in. So we've been expecting, praying, asking God to speak in this service. So we're thrilled that you are here. And we're going to be in Exodus chapter number 33. We as a church believe that this Bible is not just life, but it contains life. It's not just a book. It's a book beyond any other book. And so we're going to be in Exodus chapter 33. And as we turn there, it'll also be up on the screen, but can we stand as we read God's word this morning, kind of early, so let's exercise just a little bit. If you don't have a copy of God's word, you can Download the Southridge app. It'll be on the app as well as on the screen. Exodus chapter number 33, beginning verse number one. The Bible says this. The Lord said to Moses, get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swear to give to to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I would give this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you, for you are stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. When the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning and stopped wearing their jewelry and fine clothes. For the Lord had told Moses to tell them, you are stubborn and rebellious people. If I were to travel with you for even a moment, I would destroy you. Sounds like God is on a vacation with a family of seven and he's slapping kids in the back. You know, if we were on a road trip, I'd want to destroy you. He said this, remove your jewelry and fine clothes while I decide what to do with you. So from that time they left Mount Sinai, the Israelites wore no more jewelry or fine clothes. Skip to verse number 12. One day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me I will know you by name and I will look favorably on you. If this is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor and remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me? and on me and on your people, if you don't go with us. For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Let me pray before I let you be seated. Heavenly Father, I just pray for your presence. Help us to, once again, take a look at your presence, how in your presence things change, miracles happen in your presence. And right now, may we experience your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
hey, before you sit down, you need to touch somebody next to you and tell them you look good this morning. Just give them an elbow, give them a fist bump, say, hey, you look good this morning. You look good. Then once you do that, you can have a seat. But you got to tell somebody they look good. You look good this morning. Question, why was this place so special that Israel and the children of Israel didn't want to go? What made this place so special that they said, no, we're going to stay right here? Maybe you have a favorite place. Maybe right now you're thinking of your favorite place. And for some of us that get up at 530, that place is our bed, our blanket, pillow. But our favorite place could be a cabin in the woods. Our favorite place could be a beachside cottage. Maybe it's Disneyland. Maybe it's Hawaii. We all have our favorite place. Maybe it's grandma's or grandpa's. Maybe it's with a loved one. We have a favorite place, a place that we've wanted to be with, a place that we can't wait to get there. You see, the children of Israel, that's their story. For 400 years, they were in bondage. They were slaves to a nation called Egypt. And they would talk amongst each other, and they would remind each other of the promise that God had given them. The promise was that I will lead my people out of Egypt and into Israel, into a land that flows with milk and honey, a good land. And this is what kept the Israelites going because we know that they were beaten, they were taken advantage of, they know that there was a genocide that was happening where all the boys to and under were to be killed, thrown into the Nile to be eaten by crocodiles or to drown. So here's a people that for 400 years had suffered terribly at the hands of the Egyptians. And so now they finally had this chance to go into the promised land. In verse number one, it says that they're going to go, but then they don't want to go. And Moses makes it very specific. We don't want to go. How good was this place that they said, no, this is a place we want to stay? Here's what I want to make the point about this morning. It wasn't that the place they were in was so good. It had nothing to do about that place. It's an unknown, unnamed place in the desert. You see, the point that they finally had grasped is that they understood the best place you and I will ever go is in his presence. And what Moses and what the children of Israel have finally realized is that to go even to the promised land without God's presence, that promised land is not going to be as good. Your life is not as good as it should be without God's presence. And there is a power to God's presence. There is a power to presence in general. I'm raising my children, and my children already have a presence. Your children do too. There's the one child that walks into the room, and it just kind of seems like a dark cloud follows them. They have a presence. There's another child that walks into the room. You don't even know they're there. They have no presence. That's their presence. They just sit there with a book. And then you've got another child walks into the room. You know they're coming because the party comes with them. Their presence is upbeat, effervescent. Their presence is happy. I've been around some people that they have a presence. I've been around some people that they, they knew how to use their presence. I went to a small Bible college when I was dating my wife. 
And I would be sitting there in a class that I know she'd be in. And that class could be boring. That class could be lame. That class could have me half asleep. But as soon as she walked in, the presence, her presence changed the classroom. You say, did the teacher teach better? Nope. Was the subject more interesting? Nope. But her presence changed things for me. There's a person that walks into your life and they can change your life because of their presence. Now 10x that in comparison to our God. Because when God steps into our life, our life is not just different, it's forever changed. And we can see that in this passage. As a matter of fact, even David, the king of Israel, who is also a poet, he said in Psalm 16, verse number 11, in your presence is fullness of joy. Today, people are looking for joy, aren't they? They're looking for happiness. And David, the king who had everything that you could ever want, everything you could ever desire, he had multiple wives, he had wealth, he had esteem, he had slain a giant, he had a good reputation. Here's a man who said, only in God's presence is there fullness of joy. But it's not the only place we see that. You could go to the book of Acts, chapter number three, verse 19. It says, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. You see, the presence is not just anyone's presence. This is the presence of God. You see, the power of presence changes everything. You know, it's interesting because you and I, we can think about what things have the most power in our lives. And oftentimes, the things that have the most power in our life is often problems. Some of you on the way to church this morning, you were thinking about a problem. Maybe there was a light on the dashboard of your vehicle that reminded you of a problem. Check engine light, low air pressure, low gas. There's a problem. Maybe there was a shoe to the back of the head and you realize your problem's in a car seat in the back. Maybe there was a notification on your phone that said you're overdraft. You are, or you got a notification that you need to show up early to work tomorrow. And then you notice that you have a problem. Oftentimes, our problems have the most power as a presence in our lives. And that should be a problem. Because God wants you and I to get to the point where his presence trumps everything else in our life. Where we just need to get to the presence of God. That where he just can sit under that presence, we could just soak in that presence. You see, when you get in the presence of God, things begin to change. First of all, we see their priorities change. Here's a people that they said, we don't want to go, even though God had said, okay, just go. I'm done with you. Just go. Go into the promised land. And God didn't even just say, oh, I'm done. He said, hey, I'll still send an angel with you, and he'll clear the way, and you guys can go. Growing up, there were points where you could tell one of my parents had just given up. And they were just like, yeah, just do whatever you want. You want to paint on the walls, paint on the walls. You want to light your brother on fire, light your brother on fire. All right? You don't want to brush your teeth anymore, whatever. <laughs> you knew they'd just give up. I get that feeling from God. That he is kind of just saying, I know you're my chosen people. But man, you're just barely, you're trying my last nerve. And you want to know why God is in this situation, why God is expressing himself this way? Because of everything that happened in chapter 32. But in, because of chapter 32 that we have this reaction in chapter 33. You see, the presence changed their priority. See, Israel is on a quest to get back to the homeland, to get back to the promised land. 
But yet now they're realizing that if God doesn't go with them, they don't want to go. You see, the promised land had become less important than his presence. Let me ask you a question. What does it take for that thing you've wanted so bad to become less important than God's presence in your life? You say, I've been really wanting a spouse. I've really been wanting this job. I've really been wanting this career change. I've really been wanting this promotion. I've been wanting this so bad. Can you imagine the children of Israel? This is everything to them. The promised land was the epitome. We even write songs about the promised land. We even talk about the promised land. We even will use it to symbolize, oh, I'm just waiting for my promised land. Just waiting for that day and everything will be better. And in that moment, the promised land began to fade into what they would really want, and they realized that what they really want was God's presence. And I wish we had church people and even non-church people that understood that it's God's presence. He changes my priorities. You see, the promised land had become less important than his presence. You say, how did that happen? It happened because when you've experienced his presence, you never want to experience his absence. If I were to take and turn just a page back in chapter number 32, you would see something that happens. You see, Moses is going to go up onto the Mount Sinai, and he's going to speak with God, and God's going to write the Ten Commandments and send Moses back down. But Moses is going to be up on Mount Sinai for 40 days and for 40 nights. It's just him getting the Ten Commandments, and Joshua's going to be with him. And just after about six weeks, when Moses is about to come back down, God interrupts this time where Moses is in God's presence. And he's just sitting there in God's presence, enjoying God's presence. And God says, go down quickly. Because what's happening in chapter 32 is the people are saying, we don't know what happened to Moses. So they're asking one another, hey, where's Moses? We know he went up to the mountain. Did he die? It's been six weeks. Is he coming back down? Has he forgotten about us? What's going on? So they get a plan, and they go to Moses number two. We don't really know if he's Moses number two, but they go to Aaron. And they say, Aaron, you're Moses' brother. What happened to your brother? And Moses is like, I don't know, but this is my moment. I'm going to shoot my shot. Give me all the gold that you guys have, and let's build an idol. Let's, let's make some new gods. We don't have time to read it, but this is all in chapter 32. You can go home later and do your homework, and you can read verses 1 through 4. And then Aaron takes all the gold, and they build a new god. They get some gold, they melt it down, and he shapes a new god. You know what he shapes? A calf. Any farmers? Anybody worked on a farm? Anybody been around cows? How many know a calf is actually not a grown cow? It's a baby cow. So when we think that they made something, and you need to get it in your mind, he didn't, either they were too broke, they didn't have enough gold. They were like, hey, you don't get a bull, but we got a calf. You had enough. This is, this is a great value, uh, the great value idol, you know. And so they didn't, they didn't have enough for a bull, something manly, something you'd see on the New York Stock Exchange. They didn't have anything like that. They were like, we have a cute little calf for you. And what does Aaron do? Aaron's like, hey, guys, this is your new god. So start bowing down, let's have some feasts, let's worship it. And it turns into some seriously ugly debauchery. And there's a whole lot of sin that happens. And out of that, they then begin to realize that they were searching for a presence. And in this calf, they realized this presence had no presence, if you know what I mean. They had built something and they said, wait a minute, it's an inanimate object. 
Because when we follow God, there was a pillar of cloud, there was a pillar of fire, there was water from the rock, there was manna from the sky, there was the Red Sea that parted. But what is this? This may seem like it has presence, but it doesn't have presence. And some of us will search for things that we think will give us the presence we want, and there's no presence in it. This mic is broken. So if you hear it shaking, it's a broken mic. It's all good. We just bought it, but it's broken. It's all good. Whenever I shake, it does that thing. So I I apologize. We'll do the best we can. You bear with us. So here we see that there's a presence that it changed their priorities because they had been around something that didn't have God's power with it. And so because it didn't have God's power, they realized this thing doesn't work. How many of you are chasing something and you're finally getting to the point where you realize this job doesn't fulfill like I thought it would? This relationship doesn't fulfill like I thought it would. Having all this money doesn't fulfill like I thought it would. Having that car doesn't work like I thought it would. Having all the social media followers didn't work like I thought it would. I want something that has presence where I sit in that presence and there truly is fullness of joy. Where my heart is finally at peace and at rest with that thing. Do you know inside of each and every one of us, there is what we would call a God-shaped hole in our hearts. This is based on Ecclesiastes chapter number three, verse number 12. The Bible says this, Solomon, the wise man who ever lived said, I have put eternity into their hearts. God said, I put eternity in your hearts. What is eternity in our hearts? It means that even though we are just made out of dirt, there's a part of us that knows we are meant for more. There's a part of us that desires more. There's a part of us that says this life can't be all there is. Why is it the scientists now are searching the cosmos looking for something else, looking for some significance? Why is it that somebody can have all the money, all the fame, all the status, and they still step back and say, this can't be all it is, is it? This can't be it. It's not enough. This presence doesn't really have presence. And what you and I need to get to is when we step back and say, I need something that has presence. Is there a mic that we can get that works? Awesome. Trade you. Thank you. This is the third one. We'll see if this one works. Thank you. Understand this, that you and I, when we get in God's presence, the priorities change. Priorities aren't the only things that change. Notice this. Secondly, perspective changes. You see, Moses is telling God that any place minus your presence won't be as good as this place with your presence. And here's the great thing. We don't even know where this place is. This place is unknown. This place is unnamed. And yet Moses said, unknown is preferred to the known when I have your presence. How many of you are saying, God, I can't do that. I can't step out in faith. I can't, I can't do that deed. I can't go there because God, I don't know what's over there. And God is saying, but if my presence is there, what does it matter? You see, this is a faith step. God is trying to call you and I out to a moment where he says, this is my presence is there. So you don't need to know what else is there as long as my presence is with you. You see, as a Christian, we got to step back and say, God, I just need your presence. And if you're not a Christian here, then we want you to understand how good it is in the presence of God. We don't just gather here because we're bored at home on a Sunday morning. We gather because we want to encounter his presence. Now, maybe you're sitting here thinking, I thought God was omnipresent. You are correct, my friend. God is everywhere, always, all throughout time. God is here. So why don't I feel him? I got a cell phone. 
My cell phone needs to connect to something. It says it's supposed to connect to 5G, 4G. Sometimes, man, that signal, depending on where I'm going, nothing. Now, there is Wi-Fi all over this planet. It's everywhere. Starlink's got us. Elon Musk, he got us. Even though it's there, I'm not always connected, am I? God is always there, but you're not always connected in his presence. So what Moses is saying, God, I want a greater connection with your presence. God, I don't want to just know that you're there. I want to experience it, and I want to know when you're not there. And some of us can't tell when God isn't there and when he is there. We don't experience it. And this morning, I want you to get a greater awareness of God's presence. That when you see God's presence, perspectives begin to change. You see, what good is good if God isn't there? The promised land was good, but they're saying, what good is good if God, if you ain't there? What good is the new house if God isn't there? What good is the marriage if God isn't in it? What good is the job if God isn't in it? What good is the church if God isn't there? What good is good if God is not there? My friend, look at your life and ask yourself this question. Is his presence here? Here's a hard question. Would God want his presence here? I'm in a relationship. Is this relationship the type of relationship where God's presence I can invite into this moment? I'm at a job and I'm sitting around and we're swapping stories and we're cutting down and tearing down our spouses. Is God's, can I invite his presence here? I'm in a place where in my career, do I have to compromise to go to the next level? Does that, does that a point where I want to be? Do I have to compromise? Or can I say, God, I'm close? corporate ladder, but yet your presence is still with me. Your blessing is still on me because I want your presence in this next season. You see, we've got to get back to where we value his presence. His presence is powerful. Notice this. Presence didn't just change perspective. It didn't just change priority. And this is the truth of the matter. What good is presence if it doesn't change people? At the end of the day, you and I are here because we want to change. There's something about us where we say it's not where I want it to be. I want to grow. I want to develop. I want to mature. I want to be somewhere else. I want to be closer to God. I want to know him more. There's something about us that needs to change. And in God's presence, we do change. That's in this passage. We see it in verses 7 through 10. Moses had set up a tent of meeting outside the camp. And when Moses would go to meet with God, he would see, the people would see Moses meeting. And all of a sudden, there would be a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud that would come down over the tent of meeting. And then the people, you know what the people would do? Even though it was Moses who was meeting with God in the tent of meeting, that passage is the people would come out of their tents. They would watch Moses go to the tent of meeting. And then they would bow down and they would worship towards the tent of me. Because in God's presence, they began to change. In God's presence, they began to have a heart that says, I want to be like Moses. I want to be in God's presence. But it doesn't just stop there. In verse 15, then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Because this place is where your presence abides. Verse 16, he says, how will anyone know that you look favorably on me? And on your people, if you don't go with us, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Did you catch it? He's saying when your presence is here, you change us. We're changed. And we're never the same. 
Have you drifted from God? Is there a point where you realize that your life used to be at a different place where God says, come back into my presence and in my presence, I will begin to change you and transform you. You and I, we could step up to some outlet, any outlet in this room. Well, maybe not the one in this room, but the ones at your house might actually work. Lick your finger and stick it in an outlet, see what happens. Something about your life's gonna change, right? You're gonna get... 120 volts of electricity coursing through your body. Shock of a lifetime. You're going to be changed by that interaction. There's no way you and I can come into the, in the presence of a living God and not forever be changed. God wants you to be changed. He doesn't want you to come to church ho-hum, sing the same songs, see the same people, drink the same coffee. He wants you to encounter him. He wants you to know that his presence is real, it's alive. He wants you to know that, yes, habitual sin, you can be free from it. He wants you to know that your desires can change to godly desires. He wants you to know that you don't have to be enslaved to shame and sin. He wants you to know that you can be free from all that. God wants you to know that in his presence, you can change. That's the hope that we have in Jesus, that we can be forever changed, not the same. But it only happens in the presence of God. But here's what I love. In verse 15, he says, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. What's he doing? He's insisting that they stay. When's the last time you went to church and you just insisted that we just stay? You said, I'm, I'm just not going to leave. I need God's presence. I don't want to leave this place. When's the last time you were sitting in the quietness of your own home and you opened up your Bible and you had your journal and all of a sudden you just said, I know I got to go to work, but I need this word. When's the last time where you were praying and meditating with God and all of a sudden God began to speak to your heart? Maybe you didn't hear it out loud, but in your soul, in your spirit, you knew he was there. And there was a part of you that said, God, this is amazing. I don't want to leave. Have you ever been in a place where the world went on and you just couldn't help it? You wanted to stay in a moment of just worshiping God. And you just wanted to tell God, I love you. You're good and you're great. And you're over everything in my life. When's the last time you've When's the last time you've experienced God's divine presence in your life? Your marriage may be dry and stale. And it might be because you don't have God's presence in it. Your work and your career might be dry and stale because God's presence isn't there. Your spiritual hunger and passion for God may be dry and stale because God's presence isn't there. When's the last time you said, God, I just need your presence. I need it here. As I was driving to the church this morning, as I'm tired, I'm just thinking, God, I need your presence. I need your presence. I need your presence, God. Make it real. Make it real to me. When I was 12 years old, I went to a small little Baptist church. My dad was the pastor. And we went to church three times a week, not just one time a week. We went Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Oh, actually, four times. Never mind. I can't count. Homeschool. Wednesday. But we were different. We did it on Thursday. We had a, what we called midweek prayer meeting on Thursdays. So we'd show up to church, and we had this old red hymn book 
We would sing out of something called a hymn book. You say, what was a hymn book? It would have all these songs, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, Amazing Grace, uh, Come Thou Found. We would just sing all these songs, An Anchor for My Soul, uh, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. We just had all these old hymns, Beulah Land. You know, we just had all these old hymns that we would just sing. And on Wednesdays or midweek service, we would sing these hymns. And after we got done singing the hymns, we then would go to prayer. And I don't know about you, but this is the most awkward time when they say, split up and just go find groups. That's when my anxiety, my social anxiety peaks up. i got to go find somebody. And what if I can't find somebody? Then you're looking for a group, and then everybody's already paired up. So you're already thinking of your group. And you're like, hey, yo, don't leave me hanging. I don't want to be that one person that's, okay, so nobody took me. So then you go to the altar. You just lay prostrate on the altar. Then you look more spiritual than everybody else. I don't need nobody. I'm just going to claim this whole altar and I'll just pray. And so you didn't want to be that person, though. You know, they, you didn't want to be too much of a Jesus freak. So I remember I grabbed my buddy, Kalen, and I said, hey, let's go pray. And then people would just break out. And you just pray wherever. Now, you got to understand, I was just a teenager. So when you grab another teenager to go pray, you're saying, hey, man, we can go hang out. So let's pray quick. Let's pray quick, you know. There were certain people in the church that they did not pray quick. They prayed for a long time. And we don't have time to be praying a long time about all the people and their bunions. And I kid you not, I, don't, I didn't even know what a bunion was, but we'd be praying for it on a midweek prayer meeting. We're praying for gallstones, prostate appointments. I was like, guys, hey, time out. We got kids in here. Y'all just be throwing stuff out there, and this is not PG. Let it go through the filter. Just be a good Christian. Say unspoken, all right? Nobody knows what that means. Just throw it out there, and we just know that you got an unspoken. That unspoken could be you trying to ask that girl out, and she ain't said yes yet. That could be your unspoken that she would say yes. But, man, I grabbed Kayla, and we're going to go pray. And so we go up near the altar, and we start praying. And something happens that I never experienced before in my life. I was 14 years old, and we're praying. And this old church was a one-room schoolhouse. It was built over 100 years before. It looked like a schoolhouse. It was just a small little room. But the presence of God came over that place. And all of a sudden, my friend Kalen began to pray. And it wasn't a normal teenage prayer. It wasn't, God, I really want to slam dunk and make it to the NBA. It wasn't, God, I really want Kathy to go out with me. It wasn't, I really want to pass my driver's test. We began to pray for real. And it was like we had never prayed before. And all of a sudden, we just began to cry out to God in a way that I'd never understood. And something happened. I didn't try to make it happen. I didn't want it to happen. But we didn't want to leave. We just kept praying. Prayer meeting went from 7 to 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock came and left. 8.30 came and left. 9 o'clock came and left. 9.30 came and left. 10 o'clock came and left. 10.30 came and left. 10.35 came and left. 11 o'clock came and left. 11.30 came and left. Midnight came and left. 12.30 came and left. And then we looked up and we didn't realize that there are other people that they saw us praying. And so they started to pray. And the presence of God just began to grow in that small little country auditorium. Where people just said, I want that. I want that. 
We live in a day and age where you and I basically can have anything we want. Anything you want. You want a car, you could probably go get it. You say, I got bad credit. I'm sure there's some sleazy car salesman that will get you a car. He said, well, I want a house. You can rent a house. You may not own it, but you can rent it. Well, I want that job or I want that career. I want to be with that person. I want, to, I want to know what this is like. You can go for it. However, with everything we want, have you got God? Because you can get everything you think you want. Because God didn't design you to have all of creation minus the creator. You're not designed for that. My lust, your lust, your desire to acquire wants a lot of things. You want that boat, you can have that boat. You want that car, you go get that car. You want that whatever, you name it. And you'll get it. And it'll be cool for a moment. And it's going to go back to, okay. But in God's presence, everything else changes. Where you step back and say, God, I realize what I want now is not even so much the promised land. God, I just want your presence. And God, if your presence is here, then I stay here. But if your presence goes over there, then I'm going to be that little follower, that little annoying kid that follows his big brother and big sister. I'm going there. Wherever your presence goes, that's where I go. And I don't care where you go because the place is irrelevant to your presence. So you send me to Africa, I go to Africa. You send me to East San Jose, I go to East San Jose. You send me out of state, I go out of state. You send me to a job, I go to that job. You send me that relationship, none of it matters because your presence is all that matters. I need your presence. And my friend, let me talk to the Christians in the room, just the Christians. You're not a Christian. You can just sit back and think about a food truck for a second. My friend, we claim to have Jesus inside of us. And yet the one thing we can't run, stop running our mouths about is, oh, I can't wait till this weekend. Man, I'm going to Hawaii. Man, I'm going to Vegas. Man, I'm going on this trip. Or I'm doing this. I'm buying this. Never once you say, oh, man, I just can't wait to be around God. I've never been around famous people. But I bet you if you did, you'd be like, man, that was kind of cool. What about God? What about his presence? For all of us Christians, that should be the one thing we can't wait to brag about. I spent time with the creator. Yeah, all this, yeah, he made it. Everything you like about the night sky and sunrise, everything you like about the beach, everything you like about the cabin in the woods, he made that. And I'm his friend. We're close. Better yet, I'm not just his friend. He told me, Micaiah, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So if I'm in the valley and I'm going through a storm, God says, hey, Micaiah, I'm there. If I'm on the mountaintop and life is good, guess who's there with me? God is there. If I lose my job, I lose my house, I lose my wealth, guess who's with me? God is there. Now let me talk to those that you're on the fence. You're not sure about this thing about Christianity. 
And maybe the reason you're not sure is because you haven't seen some people that were crazy enough to set up church in some broken down hotel ballroom and say, we like God. That we like sitting in his presence on a wet, cold morning. And we'll even get to church a half hour early. Bless your hearts, you're here early. To go to a service at 9 a.m. Maybe you're saying, I want that. I want his presence in me. Because when you have your presence, it doesn't matter how hard the place is. It doesn't matter how much it hurts. Because you've experienced his absence. Are you done worshiping your cats? The things that you can make? Yeah, they may be pretty and shiny. But you made that. Don't you want something that you didn't make? That made you and says they love you and want to be with you? See, God wants to be inside your life. Stay with you forever. And the greatest decision you and I ever make is the decision to say, Jesus, I want your presence in my heart. Because I was made to crave your presence. And my heart is restless until it rests in you. Can we all stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? I'm going to invite the worship team out to the platform. As we close, I want to give an invitation never invited Christ into your heart, I don't want you to miss out on an opportunity to receive Christ as your Savior. So I'm going to invite everybody with heads bowed and eyes closed just for a second. I want to give you a moment of privacy. But I also want to invite you to receive Christ as your Savior, that you can know Him and have His presence not just in you forever. You say, today, I want to receive Christ as my Savior. That's my decision. Is that you? Slip up a hand so I can pray for you. Anybody like that in the room today? I see that hand in the back. God bless you. Anybody? I see that hand. God bless you. Amen. Two hands. Anybody else? Amen. Let's pray for those that want to receive Christ. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray out loud. And you pray silently in your mind. And it's a simple prayer. It's not the words. It's the heart. It says, God, I've been searching everywhere for a presence that... My desires and in all my searching I haven't found anything and now I'm coming to you my soul I'm bringing it to you saying fill it I want to receive you as my savior I choose you as my God may your presence be in my heart in Jesus name I pray amen was that you did you pray the prayer slip up a hand can we celebrate with you you prayed that very amen god bless you god bless you worship team can you lead us in a song of worship thank you again for spending time with us today and a special thanks to those who give generously to southridge church it is because of you that this ministry is possible and if you want to learn more about southridge you can follow us on social media at southridge now if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.